and welcome to this bonus episode of 10,000 Posts. It's the show about how everything is posting. My name is Hussein. You can follow me at H. Kizvani if you don't already. Uh, my name is Phoebe. You can follow me at PRHRoy. And I'm Devon. You can follow me at Devon underscore on Earth. Yeah, we've got the full gang in this time. It's a, it's going to be a fun one. We are uh, for for people. I mean, if you've been on our Patreon, you should know this already. Uh, but both for people on Patreon and not, we decided to do our first ever Q and A. We haven't done one like ever. Um, and I'm really excited for this one actually. So like we've got some Devin, you've been collecting some very uh interesting questions. A couple of days ago on the uh, the Patreon, I made a little call out for questions, uh, and we got a, f- a fair number. Some of them were fascinating a couple of them a little bit lighter so i've got a nice mix of, of ones that i think will be fun to discuss so with uh, no other objections i'm happy to just get straight in yeah let's yeah. do it let's do it beautiful all right uh the first question comes from chloe perry who asks should children be allowed to have access to social media to give them experience and lessons in something that will pervade their lives or just like banned from it until whatever age Oh, that's such mm. a good question. Um, I I have I have two answers. I have the my my intellectual objective one and my emotional one. Um, emotionally, my response is: if I ever have a child, the idea of them being exposed to social media in any capacity is like it's it's horrifying i can't i can't stand the thought of it even just like thinking about myself as a child and as a teenager and the absolutely deleterious effect that expo- that uh, exposure to it would have would have had on me um sort of makes me feel faintly hysterical but on a more on a more kind of sensible and less kind of and less kind of visceral note, uh, since since I think we've discussed on a number of occasions the extent to which the toothpaste isn't going back into the tube. I mm. I don't I don't see how you can avoid it. I don't see how you can avoid a kind of a kind of incremental exposure, like kind of like kind of French parents with their kids and wine. <laughs> mm. I, this is the thing. I don't even know whether that's like a kind of an, a sort of an apocryphal thing and whether it's like even true but the de- definitely the uh, definitely the rumor used to be that if you're french you got given a little bit of wine with your with your dinner or whatever from quite an early age so it demystifies it and you're less likely to um less likely to kind of get into binge drinking when you're older i mean maybe that doesn't work here because so because of how much of how much of british culture is kind of organized around drinking um, yeah. whether it was a kind of pastime or whether it was a kind of uh, social organizer, uh, uh, a kind of a kind of basis of conviviality. It certainly used to be pretty much the organizing hub of any kind of uh, formal political organizing or workplace organizing as well. I think that's changing a little bit, but not really that mm. much. But I don't see how a child in today's world can possibly be kept safe from it and i wonder if they're at more risk if their parents stick their head in the sand and pretend it just doesn't exist i actually don't know i actually don't know (laughs) i don't know the answer (laughs) yeah devin do you have any ideas i mean 
I, I have some, some thoughts about children with technology, so sort of in general. Um, and speaking as a teacher, or at least as someone who used to be a teacher, kids these days are completely technologically illiterate. Mm. Like, I, I don't really... It's because of uh, increasing, like, UI uh, specificity or things like this. Mm. But, but if something goes wrong with a piece of technology, a child at this point just has no fucking concept of how to deal with that. That is so interesting. interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, because that's like that's the opposite of what mm. adults get told about kids. It's all the the kids are complete. They're like completely steeped in it. That like it's like it's a kind of it's another axis of their normal childhood development. They are they are a completely different species because they're also technologically aware. But of course, it makes sense with everything that has been everything that has been developed to be as easy to use as, as as is possible and as intuitive to use as is possible then of course you're not going to learn any workarounds you're not going to know what to do if it if what you expected to do um breaks something i'm something i've noticed um uh you know while observing the discourse machine shall we say um is that People are very strange about children and technology. Um, I remember around uh, around the lockdown, um, when people who were it was I think that was a re- that was really disastrous actually to have ceded any concern about the um, the effects that this was going to have on on children, particularly very little children. That we completely ceded that to not just the right, but the kind of the straying into straying into fascist right i think that was mm-hmm. a real i think that was a real category error actually um and i remember seeing people saying stuff like um oh well there's not going to be no effect on development uh, development of children if they um aren't if they aren't uh engaging in um normal sort of normal development socialization sort of seeing lots of different faces not just their parents but other family members, other children, and people, people, like I said, people who would think of themselves as left-wing people were saying stuff like they can watch faces on YouTube, they can watch faces on their screens, and nobody challenged this really as being, mm. as being really kind of a really dystopian way of thinking about child development. And uh, now that the kind of the effects are sort of becoming clearer, and children have sort of sort of three or four, are sort of they're not they're not behind because they're an entire cohort. So it's hard to hard to know who they would be behind because they could only be behind themselves. But they are. Uh, it's it's had it's had an, it's had a it's had a developmental effect on this kind of mini, sort of mini generation of children, and I don't think oh well just give them a screen because it clearly isn't the same. They clearly do know. A, a child clearly does know that a face on a screen is not the face of a person that they're in a room with and that they're interacting with. Uh, mm-hmm. Even a very, very small child knows the difference between, a, ba- a baby knows the difference between uh, watching and absorbing and interacting. The two things are actually very, very different. And for some reason, the effect of this kind of stuff on very little children has been again entirely dismissed and been framed as um 
has been framed as kind of scaremongering and um and kind of old man yells at cloudsing etc 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 and i just i i don't think it can be i don't think it be it can be quite correct yeah i'm not saying that the effect is necessarily bad but i don't think it serves anybody to go along with the fiction that there is no effect whatsoever yeah I, I'm not going to pretend like, so I'm not like a psychologist or, you know, this, so this isn't specialist and, you know, I, I have no insight into, into this other than like anecdotal, uh, examples of like babysitting my nephew who is about to turn three years old. Um, and I sort of over the lockdown and everything, I also sort of watched his parents and how they kind of wrestled with this idea of like, you know, to what extent, like, do you sort of let them interact with technology that is kind of already very present? Um, <laughs> one thing I was thinking about was like, so we, we, uh, my wife and I, we, uh, went, uh, to babysit him once and we sort of just took him to town. And if you go into like the clothing stores and stuff, uh, you have like those kids t-shirts and like, there are loads of those kids t-shirts, which are just stuff like as like future let's say like things like future TikTok influencer and stuff. Oh Christ. Um, oh, Christ. you know. But it, it kind of is like, it's, it's supposed to be this much broader idea, but like, even if you kind of like remove them for, even if like you were able to kind of pull off the miracle of like allowing, like making sure they never saw a single screen um, and they only ever watch like hand-drawn cartoons, which is exactly how I'm going to raise my children. Um, <laughs> like if that ever comes across like, you know, very strong opinions about cartoons, like you're not, because of like this sort of, because of the way in which social, social media kind of permeates the material in a much more um in much more obtuse ways i think it's sort of impossible to kind of remove them in the same way that you know you can't really remove people from posts even if like they log off right because of the way in which like people interact with each other now which i think speaks to some of like maybe what you were talking about uh earlier i mean again i don't really have an answer to it i mean other than to sort of say like maybe if you sort of accept that like you're not going to be able to remove them entirely from online content mm. then the question is really like how do you kind of what what does it mean to sort of have a healthy relationship with like the internet and social media now and mm -hmm. i think one of the actual bigger dangers of that is like well if you're an adult and you don't really have like a healthy relationship with social mm. media and posting then like how the hell are you supposed to teach your kids or any kids like not even your own kids but how are you supposed to yeah. like teach younger generations like how to have you know and it is definitely something that i think about with my nephew because i have a very unhealthy relationship with like online and posting thankfully i'm not like a tiktok person but mm. yeah there is this part of me that's like well how am i gonna like try teach my future kids to like you know if i have one to um exist in the real world and to kind of like to uh understand different forms of relationships when mm. i kind of have this sort of strange situation that I don't know. I think it's like, you know, it's a, it's a process that everyone sort of has to kind of learn, go through my, well, I think you know, it's very, yeah. it's very, like, it's very much, it's very much the case as well, that it's all very well saying, oh, well, teenagers <laughs> are addicted to their phones. Kids are addicted to their phones because adults are also addicted to their phones. Mm. I, I can't remember the last time I saw, I saw a parent, um, knocking about with their, with their little kids who wasn't buried. Yeah in a, who wasn't buried in a screen um uh not just social media but kind of but tech conduits now uh contours child yeah. rearing um like i know somebody i know somebody who um 
is a kind is a professional babysitter. That's that's a really insulting way of describing it. Like <laughs> like like she's like she's not a nanny because she doesn't live in, but she's mm-hmm. she babysits. Yeah, it's a job. She's <laughs> a child, man- she's, child she's management a, consultant. She's a child management that's right, consultant. That's right. And half of the parents that she deals with um, insist on being sent a picture of their baby like once an hour to make sure that the baby is fine. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, and then the parents who just sort of say, well, she had good references. I trust her. The baby seems to like her, etc." They feel like they are not doing the best they can for their children if they're not insisting on these kind of, these sort of surveillance, this sort of surveillance tech to use against people looking after their children and so they get pressured by uh, they get pressured by other parents into insisting on the the hourly photos and then what happens if the if the babysitter forgets or there is a reason they can't send it do you automatically think something's happened to your baby it's a kind of it's it's all it's all connected to it's all connected to each other i think that this question in in and of itself as well has two different strands because it's there is there's there's strand A, which is do you allow your child, if you had a child, would you allow them to consume content? And the second strand is would you allow them to participate in content? And I think mm. the two things are very different. I think yeah, a child watching TikTok or watching YouTube is very different from a child making TikToks. Because yeah. not a chance in hell would I let a preteen or even probably a teenager if i could possibly yeah possibly prevent them <laughs> from actually like kind of actively kind of participating yeah. in like the soup of social media but is them consuming it is it any different from them watching mm. watching tv or watching a film or watching a tv show i yeah, mean maybe because seems- you can control you can control that to a certain extent but like mm. you never know you never know what is going to have a particular particular effect on a child like when i was really little um there was a dog on rainbow which for some reason i took wildly against and i was really really frightened of this dog and my parents could Mm -hmm. never have predicted that this particular dog would have like so spooked me um so i think that i think there are two sort of very different questions um questions in play and you have to obviously let let your children uh learn how to kind of negotiate the world bravely and confidently but also you can't you can't let them be overconfident and brash and think that everything's fine and not and sort of not be not be aware so i think it's a very i think it honestly i think it is a question that we could probably spend an entire episode talking about that's my answer yeah. maybe one day we should but maybe one, one day we will <laughs> but this one yeah when we when when we interview the baby influencer at some point then we'll have to like pose the questions <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. The title of this is Q and A. That's singular. We're talking about this one. <laughs> <laughs> one question. Yes, um, did not no, promise but, yeah. Q's and A's. Uh, very well. <laughs> okay, let's let's, let's we, grab let's a second. Yeah. Um, I think with a couple of people asked this one. Two two lads in particular, Patrick and Jarosk, both asked, "What are the origins of 10k posts?" Shit, what is the origin? <laughs> Do you remember? I, I I do remember. I can tell. I can tell okay, this. Yeah, I can on, tell please. the story. <laughs> so in the what the late spring of 2020, um, as we all remember it, if you had um, 
if you had a uh, a delivery job or mm. something or something of the sort, you were told that your job now was to uh, be a kind of itinerant servant to people with email jobs. Um, every so often, people said, "Oh, you're you know you're a you're an essential worker," but that didn't. Um, materialize in any kind of you know further workplace safety or more money or anything of that sort um but if you had an email job um you were not really doing anything and if you were like me um because i am a i am a writer which is um poorly and sporadically paid so i obviously do other things to um to get myself some income in so i can do you know do stuff like pay my bills and things of that nature um and two of my uh two of my biggest sources of income didn't just sort of dry up a little bit because of what was going on they both disappeared literally uh literally in one day because um one of them um was involving doing uh, freelance freelance script reading for production companies and production ceased um and also um basically every single production company i worked with got rid of their freelance budget and the other big money spinner for for phoebe was um was tutoring and then there suddenly wasn't any exams so obviously tutors were like a little bit of a luxury that parents were um you know mm-hmm. getting getting rid of you know fair enough but very very annoying uh and so i basically just had like a lot of time on my hands and all of a sudden having had basically no time on my hands and um in order to avoid uh panicking too much about when i was going to be able to get some kind of income again um hussein and i were chatting about maybe doing some kind of oh well you know you've got some think of this as time off you've got some time off to do you know some kind of project and then hussein had a dream oh shit about, the dream yeah the dream oh my god me having sent him a website which was like like a kind of like a kind of precursor to substack <laughs> Which was some, which was somebody who had decided to treat posting as a type of, as like a kind of type of contemporary interactive literature. And he messaged me at like six o'clock in the morning and said, do you remember uh, the link to this site? And I said, this site doesn't exist. Uh, And then he went away again and then messaged me an hour later and said, it was a dream that you'd sent me this link. And it doesn't yeah. actually exist. And I said, it's not a bad idea, though. And, <laughs> do, and he do you said, know, maybe it would work as a podcast. And do you know what that makes are. this? By the way? Yeah. Do you know what that makes this? That means that this, along with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Stevenson's Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, uh, <laughs> and Stephanie Meyer's Twilight are all works inspired by dreams. <laughs> You're now in that hallowed hall. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, the Ed, I'm the Edward Cullen of the podcasting world. Um, uh-huh. And I don't know what that entails because I only ever saw the first film and I don't remember much of it other than that there was a girl next to me um, who was on a date with one of my friends. I don't know why I came along or how I ended up there. 
Um, but she started crying on me, and I wasn't sure what to do. Um, so uh, uh, I sort of sat there a, a bit stranger. awkwardly. <laughs> very Jesus. like much, a, very much a Mr. Magoo moment uh, on my part. I um, God, fuck! I remember the dream. Yeah, I mean, the only caveat, the only addition I have to that is that I had also sort of like, um, I had been made redundant from my email job. I think around about the time. And I was sort of, again, like, you know, very much in my house in the suburbs of South London and not really sure, like, what to do with my life. Um, and, yeah, it sort of came out during, came up during that time. So, yeah, it was a really good way of, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really nice kind of thing to do. Uh, and it is still a very nice thing to do uh, to this day. Yeah. Very grateful for doing it. Well, that's very grateful story. for having that's, weird dreams. Yeah. That's the origin story. <laughs> that's so good. I'm so- <laughs> I'm so I can't <laughs> believe that the lead has been buried for like two and a half years. That this was a oh, that's so good. Um, and, and also, also, if you want to know the um, the origin behind the pod name, if you want the whole um, origin story, um, it is because we misremembered. Uh, <laughs> we misremembered yeah. a, a drill tweet. Yeah, it should actually be called the, hundred. It should be called. It should be called a hundred thousand posts, but we both misremembered it as ten thousand. And I, because I, um, I saw a conversation. Sorry, I got sent a conversation that was happening about this on um on the TF Discord. And yes, um, and I think like I saw and people were kind of off- offering their theories on where the name comes from. And at least one person was like, uh, "No, it's supposed to be the Malcolm Gladwell Ten Thousand Hours." No, it isn't. It's because we didn't remember. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's because we didn't remember the text of the text of the drill tweet. I am intrigued by the Malcolm Gladwell thesis in the sense for like if you did do ten thousand posts, which like I feel like all of us have sort of got sort of gone beyond at this point. I don't think that sort of makes you a better or a worse poster. I just think it kind of, yeah, I think you've got real diminishing returns if you've done that many. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'm way, but I'm way over 10,000. Yeah. 20,000 on this account alone. And I've had multiple. It's not just diminishing returns. I don't think, I think it's, (laughs) I think it's like, I think it's like driving a car off the, off the lot. Like the second you drive it off, the car loses like fifty percent of its value. The second you start posting, that's it. Yeah, it's not. It's not diminishing returns. It's getting actively worse. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. On a logarithmic scale. Yeah. Um. Beautiful. Well, speaking of ten ten thousand posts and indeed the number of posts that there are, uh, we got one question uh, from. Oh God, hang on. It's here. I'm gonna cut this out. It doesn't even matter. Uh, from someone called Mario at Pivot Posting on Twitter, who asks, "What is your top three, or what what is your favorite post of all time, or top three if you can't nail a one?" Ooh. I have some some thoughts about this already, just to, to let you all yeah, have yeah. some thinking yeah, time. Um, my my favorite posts are easily the ones that make me think about the world differently, like give me an additional bit of language, um, and for that. Three of those that come directly to mind are the fucking the text man for texts. Um, yeah. Yeah, just a perfect good. tweet. Absolutely mm-hmm. seminal. Um, goop on your Grinch. Right yeah. up there. Perfect. Pussy eaters perf- goop on your Grinch. A perfect post. <laughs> and um, women are down bad will tweet something like, we need to bring back beauty. These are, <laughs> these are my three absolute... <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal posts each one of them 
yeah, those are good ones. Those are they're really, really good. They're really good ones. Um, God, why am I trying to think of mine? Phoebe, do you have one? Um, for while I still think of it. One of my favorite ever of all time, just because it's so silly. Like I, like, I agree with what Devin says about there are some which just, which are just like linguistically innovative. Like the te- fucking the text man for texts mm-hmm. is, uh, is an innovation of language. And like, I'm not even, I'm not even messing around here. Like, I think it's, it's on a par with other like linguistic innovators, like kind of like Flaubert and Shakespeare. Like that's what I, I genuinely think mm-hmm. that because it clicks in a way that the, the very, very best writing always does. Um, my favorite ever tweet, and I can't even remember, I can't remember the exact wording of it and I can't remember who posted it either. Um, but it's still just one of my favorite. Um, and it's something like a scientist has invented, has invented a machine which translates, uh, what a cat says into, into English. And the cat says, my name is Kang, destroyer of worlds. And the scientist says, the machine is broken. His name is Socks. <laughs> oh, that's really good. And it's just, it's just, it's just, re- it's just really like daft and charming. And I think of it whenever I see like, whenever I see like an infuriated, indignant cat, I always think the machine is broken. His name is Socks. And, <laughs> and it's just, it just, it makes me happy whenever I think about it. <laughs> oh, there's a there's a there's a Tumblr post that I like very much as well, which is the bending down to hear the flowers singing, and then the flowers are singing the sins of our ancestors bind us to the dirt, because I think that's another be- <laughs> that's another beautiful piece of writing. There are there are some <laughs> phenomenal Tumblr posts out there that I could go into. Mm. Mm. But I but saw I this Tumblr shot. post on Twitter, so oh, of course, I, that's I, the only I, way I get Tumblr posts. I, as well. I, I, I remain untumbled. Like, sorry for sorry for anyone who who commented on the Tumblr episode saying, "Oh, when are you going to get on Tumblr?" Never. Sorry, I'm really sorry. I have, <laughs> I'm in my thirties. I have three jobs. I'm not getting on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying I'm to sorry. think. Of, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I might, I'm, I, I don't know. I've, I've been toying around with the idea of going back on, but like, again, very much the case of like, uh, I should probably like be working on having a healthier relationship with like posting and not joining another platform. Um, so I, off the top of my head, and I've got like a lot that I find funny, but I also have a very notoriously bad memory. Um, so of the three that I can sort of remember in this moment, um, the first, and I think this is like an all-timer just because of like, it's, it's beautiful but it's also just like one of those things that just sort of gets you uh, is the uh, video of the shirtless man hitting, well, one of them hitting yes. the other guy with a, with yeah. a folding chair, That's giving right. themselves a little kiss. I think it's a beautiful, I think it's a beautiful post. I don't, I think it's like one of the all time greatest when the website like finally dies. Um, I think it will be one of the posts that people sort of re- like generally most people will remember. Mm-hmm. Um and Completely like, I think we right. have done an episode about it or at least I've been yeah. on a podcast. Yeah. I, I've, I've also been on a, have we not? No, we have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I have seen we did. Yeah. It was a while uh, ago, but and, and we, yeah. could all, we could always revisit it. I, I would always be happy to revisit it. It's like, Every it's just time like, yeah. I watch that, like I notice a new thing about it. Like there are mm. so many little aspects that are such a beautiful vignette of humanity. Yeah. It's oh, a there's perfect. That, there's that vine that I think about from time to time, the, Two dudes chilling in a hot tub, five feet apart, oh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. gay. 
Absolutely. That's it. I think that's a, that's a culturally important artifact. It's a couple of drill tweets that might as well be like literature to me. Um, <laughs> the one that comes immediately yeah. to mind is the one that's like in full caps, if the zoo bans me for hollering at the animals, I will face God and walk backwards into hell. Yep. Which I find to be yeah. just such a beautiful series of words. Mm. It is. Yeah. Like, you know, you, I, I'm sorry to bring up Flaubert again, um, but I'm, I'm doing it. It's happening. It's taking place. Um, you know that he used to, he used to uh, read his work out loud and like a drum on the table to make sure that, um, to make oh, sure that it mm. would sort of sat, that the kind of the beats would match up and it would sound and it would sort of feel as beautiful to read as it did to, as it did to write. And that I, I kind of picture drill doing that. It's <laughs> a, a really good technique. I won't even <laughs> a, pick that a up myself. Bit. It's yeah, just yeah. It's really it's um it's it's supposed to work really well. I've uh, I've um I've never done it because mm. um I'm secretly convinced that um I'm being filmed at all times. So <laughs> I don't want I don't want it to. Yeah, that's a joke, by the way. I don't actually <laughs> think film. The uh the second genre of tweet that I really like are British food posts, and I'm thinking a lot about like Paul Joseph Watson's uh salmon with shredded cheese, oh, um and just like all his really unappetizing meals that he used to post, um and then was like trying to tell people, oh I'm just trolling and haha you're falling for the troll, and then you remember that he's at the time he was posting he was like in his late thirties living mm. on his own in a flat in Battersea making these horrible meals uh to try trigger people. Or to not, just to eat them, but like, yeah. But I, I don't think Paul Joseph Watson is like the only person who has sort of committed this sin of like food posting. Um, I oh, John Sweeney, is that his name? Uh, the guy who did the bolognese thing and he like made the worst looking mm -hmm. bolognese with like raw mushrooms. Um, and it was like, uh, yeah, no tomato. Like, what did he say? It was like no celery, lots of red, simple as or something like that. And it was just, it just looked like a horrible meal. Um, that guy at the libertarian, the British guy from the libertarian think tank who like posted a picture of like raw chicken and then tried to convince people that actually that's how a roast chicken should be cooked. And it was still pink. Um, so British food posts, I think are generally like one of my favorites and like think something to just like, I revisit whenever I'm sad. And then the third one, the third one, actually, I just remembered now. And <clears throat> it was like one of the old time classic uh, 2020 posts, like the lo early lockdown posts from our friend Andrew Lillico, who says, if an oh. alien were intelligent enough to consent to breeding and either, breed it, and either breeding worked or a technology allowed successful breeding between humans and aliens, I'm inclined to think Christian marriage between the aliens and the humans would be possible. What do my Christian followers think? Mm. Yeah. He's a good poster, and he did he a lot is, of really he did he really good posts in, tw in the tw good, 2020. He's such a good poster, yeah. Just like very imaginative, like all things considered. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's very imaginative. Um, I I I lo I love that he doesn't that he doesn't bother um, to think about by which by what mechanics an alien could possibly become a Christian to the point that they would be interested in a Christian wedding ceremony, um, <laughs> but. I also respect his intellectual humility in asking his Christian followers to, to to chime in on just on the liturgical front, just on the theological implications. Yeah, 
We can leave all the rest of the other stuff to like, you know, that, that, those are just side issues. So yeah, those are my, those are my three. <laughs> ha- can hammer out the details. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in the bedroom is between them. Um, look, the, uh, but those are my free posts. Uh, I'm, there are plenty of others. Those are just the three that came to the top of my head. Yeah, those are just the ones that are top of my head as well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm reading a list of, I'm just going through my bookmarks now, looking at tweets, and I'm just absolutely <laughs> creasing up, but uh, none of them are worthwhile to bring to the forefront. Um, similar question here from Maz, who asks, what do you think the oldest meme is? Ooh. And that Ooh. raises two questions, which is like, do we consider memes to simply be like, in the old sense of the word, a viral idea? Or are we using it to mean like, lolcats? Because it's lolcats if it's the second one. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be lolcats. Uh, actually, I think the answer is capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's... <laughs> I think it's probably um... anti-Semitism. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, that's mm. a pre- yeah, that's a pretty old one. <laughs> it's even lolcats or anti-Semitism, I think. All right, next question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking online. I typed in on Google like, "What's the oldest meme?" And actually, you're not actually that far off. Apparently, one of the <laughs> oldest memes, according to um, according to uh, oldest.org, which you know, very extremely mm-hmm. reliable yeah, okay. source. Is could be Godwin's law that was established in 1990, and Godwin Godwin's law was the idea that as an online discussion yeah. grows longer, the right. comparison to Hitler approaches. So actually, not that far off. Even though I would probably say that yeah, anti-Semitism probably is like uh, in terms of visual and mimetic culture, certainly uh, yeah, it's probably um, and yeah, it's, it's, culture, culture, full stop. and culture, culture more and broadly, history and yeah, mm. depends. I mean it. it I remember there was a, a segment on Punta Vista a while back where they found they were going through like what the oldest jokes ever told were. Mm. Yeah. So I, I think if I could find out what the oldest joke ever told was, then that would probably that would be the mm. well. Isn't, the, isn't that the Sumerian one about the dog walking into a yeah, a bar? which 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 we don't understand. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I could figure it out. But I like the idea that the Sumerian joke is sort is sort of supposed to, is sort of a kind of uh, contemporarily highly ironized, you're not really supposed to get it joke. That like oh, that's amusing to like me. Like the surrealist. idea, that, yeah, the idea that it's like that it's ancient surrealist humor. Like because um, Roman humor is really strange as mm-hmm. well. Um, like you can't get a grasp on what's supposed to be what's supposed to be so funny about <laughs> about anything which is in Roman comedy and anything any kind of example of um, of uh, Romans joking around is all, always comes across sort of quite strangely. Like Roman satire is like mm. brutally unfunny, but like, mm. but yeah, there, there, there are those kind of various kind of apocryphal stories about various philosophers laughing themselves to death because they've seen a they've seen a kind of donkey eat a plum or something. Like it's I remember this. I think I think that what is what I mean if we're talking about memes as jokes. Mm-hmm. then I think it's very beautiful that every culture and every society in the whole of recorded human history has had their own completely like abstruse and opaque joke culture. I think that's terrific. Mm-hmm. But in terms <laughs> of uh, 
in terms of culturally and socially reproduced um, images, uh, ways of understanding, um, then yeah, I think the answer really might be, might be anti-Semitism. But like, if it's a if it's like, no. a, if, it's like a, if it's a digital meme, then it's lolcats, and I mm. and I'm not sure I'm happy with either answer. Heck yeah, no, I mean I, I'm not either, but unfortunately, I just call them um, as I see them. So Tovfly asks, as someone who still regularly uses a forum, what do you think they have to offer to niche interests and communities? And could they still be healthier than social media groups? Uh, like, the, the, are they still viable, essentially, forums? Interesting, interesting. Are you guys part of any forum? Are, do you guys still do forum posting or are you part of any forums or anything? Not no, anymore. I, I used to uh, in earlier eras of my life, but not anymore. Mm. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, uh, just same answer as before. I have three jobs. <laughs> I, I, I am part I'm of a couple of forums. For forums. I'm part of a couple of forums, but I don't really use them that often. One is a fishing forum, um, and I mostly just go on, like when I used to kind of do fishing a bit more, um, it was mostly just like advice on like how to use fly fishing like rods. Um, and that could sometimes be quite funny. Uh, I can't remember what the, the other one's like for like my car, the VW, because so, and this is actually really interesting. This is like a good one to actually go through because on those types of forums, what uh, at least the forums that I go on and use like every so often, it's much more about like troubleshooting. So if you, you know, you go in there for, like with specific problems and like, because like the forum presents the idea of like a community, so to speak, whether that's a community of fly fishers, a community of like people who really like VWs, um, I'm sure there are like better examples, but what I find is that actually going on those forums when you have like the specific problems or inquiries is that your problem can be answered a lot faster, but you also don't have to sort of deal with, um, all the, and I mean, I, you know, some, some of it is just like the distractions of a platform in the sense that like you can go onto a platform to like try find out one thing, but you'll be distracted by like thousands of other stuff. And that's how a platform is supposed to work with a forum. It's very much like you go in with a specific thing in mind and you know yeah i don't know it's it so i think in terms of their value and to some degree it's just like it can feel less stressful at least for me anyway um if i have like specific things i'm looking up um and you don't necessarily have to deal with like weird social dynamics or like weird interactions as much i mean but then again like i think well forums are also like they're filled with weird interactions and even nate, i think when nate like came on a while ago or maybe like on another podcast he always talks about like all the kind of weird beefs he gets into on like adobe forums when he's like trying to yes. get like specific problems answered <laughs> so so maybe i don't know like maybe on forums you get like a different kind of weirdo um and a different kind of weirdo that is afforded through like kind of anonymity like a certain kind of framework of anonymity and everything so that's probably not a good answer for me it's just like yeah i think i like forums for finding like if i just want to like be immersed into like one specific kind of community or if i've got like one specific kind of question to ask um i whether very whether social media would be better or like whether the internet would be better with forums i don't know I, again it's very much like i think the genie sort of come out of the bottle and mm. I think the idea of like, you know, return, our version of like, you know, uh, return with a V. Uh, yeah, I, I, it, uh, to me, it just speaks of very much like, oh, remember like when stuff was better in the past. It's like, well, no, I had some pretty awful, I think people had really awful experiences on forums and 
like there is a reason why like they didn't kind of like withstand uh the advent of like social platforms where you know, those different dynamics take place i don't know I, i'd be interested in hearing your thoughts i think oh, there's an immediate there's an immediacy to social media platforms that there isn't to forums which i think is something which keeps you um which keeps you motivated to keep scrolling um which i mean i think with a with a with a forum you can uh put it down and go back and go back to it i mean obviously there are there are certainly instances of somebody's post on a forum blowing up but it's still i suppose it's still contained by the forum there's less of this kind of um sort of monstrous mega soup uh mm. vibe to it but like honestly, like I ge- like I gen like I genuinely don't know the answer. I feel like I feel like a lot of discussion about uh, oh, you know, return to forums, forums, uh, old internet, for everything was better when everyone was on forums. It seems like a very kind of Tower of Babel kind of theorizing sort of the idea that like, well, what we need to do is we need to just silo people off again and keep them apart from each other. But now that now that uh, platforms, uh, that social platforms exist, um, there is there's there's too much scope for what you post in a forum to make its way out of the forum and yeah. and find its way onto uh, onto a subreddit which is dedicated to the forum um, to find its way onto uh, onto a kind of onto a sort of Twitter aggregate account or an Instagram ag- aggregate account. I think I think that if you find um that if you find forum posting um enjoyable and not kind of fracturing and disjointed and anxiety producing like I find most of the content that's <laughs> on social media I think if you do then I think that's great I wouldn't try to I wouldn't try to sort of talk you talk you out of it uh but I do think there's a danger of um of sort of digital facsimiles of of genuine community and genuine connection and mm. again i don't i don't know the answer to that because uh whenever that kind of that sort of discussion comes up the completely reasonable point which is well what if you are somebody who for whatever reason is unable to form um connections and communities offline whether that's because of um whether that's because of an issue with your mental health or an issue with your or an issue with your physical health and also the um i was going to say the gradual erosion but it hasn't been a gradual erosion at all i mean when i was when i was a teenager even under even under new labor which people like to talk, which people like to remember as being very kind of very very anti teenager like very sort of like kind of brutally anti teenager um but there were still places that you could go when you were young there were places that mm-hmm. you could go. There were um, not everything was not everything was shut up. Not everything was privatized, um, and there and there, and obviously this has been the case in with uh, suburban sprawl in the states for a very very long time, and I'm sure it's the case in Australia as well, where there's like where there's lots and lots of land and not that much population density. Um, but it's but that's it's coming to be it's coming to be the case here that there are basically no uh no meaningful ways that you can that you can mm. form community it's prohibitively expensive to um 
to follow most sports at a kind of top as a kind of top flight level um even like even if you're kind of critical of uh of a kind of overemphasized em emphasis on drink on a drinking culture uh like local pubs are like shutting up left right and center everything is like everything is on the chain everything is on the chain brewery system there's there there are basically no ways of of forming community um so while it's easy to say oh well this forum that you're part of it's like it's not real these people don't think of you as a real person and they could and they could drop you for an infraction pretty mm. much out of the blue and then all of a sudden all of a sudden you're kind of isolated again but mm. there isn't there, there 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 aren't other there aren't other options i think it i think it is a i think it is a demonic imitation of what real social real social bonding looks like but the capacity and the possibilities for what i think of as real social bonding have all but, have all but disappeared and if you are yeah and if you are uh more or less housebound by physical health then it, it, it's true like what do you like what do you do that's i think that's the, that's sort of the that's sort of the crux of it yeah yeah but, but go on your forums like that's fine enjoy yourself <laughs> <laughs> enjoy, fine. Enjoy. It's, it's fine that sounds fine i found, to me. I found very useful <laughs> i mean i've just picked up a new hobby because i know alice which is which is a, uh, i've gotten massively into fucking film cameras now and when i'm thinking okay. about things to purchase the answers are 100 percent always in some forum mm, and it's, it's yeah. such a, a useful resource to just dip into to, to answer my noob questions yeah i mean i would actually i i i'm very fond of like practical household advice forums mm -hmm. like i like i i learned how to depressurize my boiler off a forum <laughs> interesting yeah well yeah because it's either that or like some guy i learned, i did mine thanks to like this charming uh a, a charming uh youtube plumber um with a very with like a very like endearing Liverpudlian accent. Oh my god! Um, no, I know exactly who you mean. I love that is it guy. The same guy. Yeah, Could no, be the no, same guy. The same wow. guy. I love that guy. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 I was like Devin. The thing I was sort of going to add was like, yeah, I think in those instances, mm. and I wonder whether it's kind of easier in some ways to sort of get those answers, or to at least sort of like kind of feel that those answers are coming, come, sort of coming from a better place then and i think i find this in like tech reviews i guess like camera review, reviews sort of fit into it as well where whenever like i don't know whenever i'm looking like looking for like a troubleshooting problem either with like a computer or like my digital camera or something like that and you sort of go onto youtube you'll often find people who like they may sort of give you an answer but like also a lot of those videos half of them are sort of advertisements uh half of them are like or some of some of them are like definitely people who are like edging for some sort of endorsement and it feels very weird to sometimes get advice from them because it kind of feels like you're not really watching someone who wants to help you out or engaging with someone who wants to help you out. And I wonder whether like forums in those specific instances are like the closest you get to someone just being like, yeah, we're all sort of on this space. No one's here looking for like a brand deal and stuff. So the advice that you give me, I'm sort of going to take it a little bit more seriously. I don't know. Like, oh, that's, that's, just, yeah. that, that's interesting. Has anyone ever got themselves a kind of influencer economy job off being a forum power user. Mm, 
I don't know if anyone knows that. And if anyone knows the answer to that, uh, let us know. I'm interested in that because basically now, like now, um, there is not one single, um, one single kind of even sort of practical, they do something as opposed to going on free holidays and wearing t-shirts. Like there's not one practical influencer who you can trust because Mm, they only, they only shill either their own branded products or products that they have been, that they have been given or they're being paid or they're being paid to advertise. This is what I mean by when I, when I say influencing is an advertising job. Um, It's also, it's also a way that um, brands have worked out of not paying as much for advertising as they used to. Uh, because if you hire an advertising agency to come up with a campaign for you, that's much more expensive than giving a grand to some girl to say that she uh, to say that she uses your shampoo mm. or whatever. Um, but yeah, like if you're trying to find like particularly household stuff, all of the kind of the big cleaning influencers, you you just can't trust them anymore because they just they, mm. they because they only recommend the, their own their own stuff. Mm. But the forums, they know. <laughs> they yeah, know they on the know. forums. They know on the forums. Uh, of Winter asks, what is... I don't like the word stupid, but I'm going to use it here. Of Winter asks, what is the most stupid, disconnected from real life, or funny to talk about discourse that you have ever witnessed? There's as, one as that I saw today. There's one yeah, I saw it. today. But, um, I think we all know it. It's that weird... Um, but there's like variations of it. I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just gonna pull it out in because we shared it in like our sort of main group chat as well, um, which was uh, I'm just trying to find out the beginning bit so you can cut that out as well. Oh yes, the the, 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 the starting post was socialists should not be having casual sex or sex based relationships. Tb8, <laughs> and it goes on this very long thread as to like, and when when everyone's sort of getting mad at this person. Um, they do this thread, which is why I'm right and you're a liberal Q&A with like a Fred emoji. And it's not worth going through the rest. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to read at least the first section of it. So it goes, Q1, so, so you don't have, so, so, so you don't think socialists should have sex. A1, I never said that, learn to read. So what are you saying? Uh, socialists should reframe from pursuing relationships solely for sexual gratification. And then he just sort of goes on one, which is like, again, I'm not, I don't think it's worth sort of going too much into it. There's a lot of sort of like anti-sex worker, I think kind of like anti, like kind of like transphobic stuff in there as well. Um, But I think just the beginning of that post was like quite, it was amusing, but it's also just like, we've sort of seen this before in various instances. So in terms of like a kind of discourse that, is exhausting but entertaining to see. I think that kind of for me that sort of captures it. They just they just <sighs> yes, struck, they yeah. just struck me as really they just struck me as really young and like they don't have very many followers and mm-hmm. I don't I don't actually see the see the particular value in um, distributing the silly but not especially harmful thing that they have to say for themselves. Like I think like. I think when it comes to like, like outright, like kind of fash posting, I think that that's very much a kind of, oh, you know what? I don't care. They've got 40 followers. I literally don't give a shit. Like still, like they can still be, they can still be piled on. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But I, I just kind of feel like this is, this is like, this is, this is so kind of like, I don't know. This is so kind of like squeamish of me, really like emotionally squeamish, but well, I, I don't think we can possibly guess what the source of this um, 
slightly silly thing to say is and I don't think that people with large platforms should be um, exposing people who are just being silly to opprobrium and mockery like, like if, they, if they kind of went into kind of kind of um anti-sex work stuff and transphobia i think that's probably maybe a little like that's probably maybe a little bit different but by the same token like what are we trying to what are we trying to achieve and prove here are we trying to communicate to our to our trans pals and comrades that um that we're sort of sharing it but we're tutting we're shaking our heads to indicate that we disagree with it i mean <laughs> like if you're a trans person online uh transphobia is not news to you you are this is not this is not new information and i don't actually think it's a particularly good thing for um cis allies to constantly share transphobia because it's not very nice for people to see and surely it's good enough to just say i don't like this this is no good um i, d- I don't know maybe that's like maybe that's um no you're right maybe that's yeah. right. <laughs> you're right speaking maybe as a trans person but yeah no no, no. like i don't was, need I to see that shit i was hoping you would jump in there deb but like yeah, yeah but no. again like you know with like sex worker pals like they know about like potentially like a violent anti-sex worker attitudes these are not this is not new information and what are we what are we trying to do in um disseminating this kind of discourse are we trying to uh cover ourselves in glory because we don't agree with it but we're still spreading it we're still spreading it around um I, yeah i don't know i think honestly i don't think that there is an answer to uh what's the discourse that's most disconnected from real life because it is an aspect of real life it's just a it's a distorted aspect it's a distorted type of real life it's a it's real life seen through seen through a number of uh sort of reactive and consensus forming lenses so there's definitely discourses that i have seen on twitter that the idea of explaining to somebody who is very very blessedly uncontaminated with this type of engagement uh, and them just sort of saying what sorry what the what are you talking about what 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 you what do you mean Anne Frank was a colonizer what does that what what does that mean (laughs) I don't know what that I don't know what that means that's an insane thing to say where does that even come from and you know and um like st- like stuff like like stuff like the like the problematic the problematic author author spreadsheet <laughs> you know that like that kind of thing it's the sort <laughs> of it's the sort of thing which just sounds just sounds kind of very sort of mad and very silly if you try to describe it to somebody um but by the but by the same token if we are trying to be as unglib as possible and to take this kind of discourse seriously it does have it does have a, an effect on um on the discourse more broadly it's not it's not all meaningless and i think that we i think that i i know i have to check a kind of small sort of small c conservative impulse and tendency quite often with stuff that i see on twitter um particularly on particularly on twitter um i'm not going to say 
what I have to <laughs> check my impulses about, but 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 I I do. And then more often than not, the answer is this is this this is not something I need to be interfering with. This is not something I need to be sharing. This is not something I need to be particularly making fun of. This is just this is the mm. uh, this is the mediated thoughts of somebody who in any in any non-contaminated world I wouldn't even know existed. So yeah. with you. why am why? Why am I doing this? What like what what for? Yeah. There's definitely a number of, of discourses that moving in, in queer spaces or on Twitter especially, you you see someone say the most wildly out of pocket shit you've ever seen in your life. Mm. And then you check their account and they're they're like fifteen and you yeah. go okay, you're a child, that's fine. <laughs> and just like yeah. move on. The, the, most, the most disconnected from real life posts are typically just from people who are either too young or have spent way too much time in like very, very niche spaces where this is a reasonable thing to do <laughs> and then have forgotten that the real world is not like this and has mm. said something like very strongly uh, that, no one was really arguing against at any point. Mm. Like this is a sort of a classic thing, or, or like some some K-pop avatar has decided that they've finally figured out what a lesbian is, and this <laughs> happens roughly once every ten days. Yeah, and it's like it doesn't matter. None of this matters. It'll only ever be an online phenomenon. So these are things mm. that can be very safely ignored. Yeah, in fact, I think quite yeah, officially ignored. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's. I think that's right. And I also think that there is a, um, that one of the, one of the interesting, uh, interesting modes of engagement, particularly on, particularly on Twitter, this might be the case on, on places like kind of Reddit and Tumblr as well, but it's something I particularly noticed on Twitter is that, um, is that everything has to be, uh, everything has to be novel because the, because the because apparently the biggest and worst thing that you can do on Twitter is to be cringe. I personally think that's um, insane and childish, and also cringe um, to be <laughs> fixated with to be fixated with the idea of like, oh well, you can't you can't post anything that you you can't post anything that you really think. You can't post anything sincerely. You can't post anything too obviously ironic. You can't post about the same thing that you were posting about a year ago because even if it's something which you know hasn't changed at all, um, you will not be able to make app go ping. So if you start posting about Yemen, you will not be able to make app go ping because that's not what people are posting about. And I think that 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 if you if you prize novelty and if you prize novelty and you prize reaction over what you actually think because quite a lot of discourse uh, could be solved by someone saying yeah but what do you actually think about this have you thought about it like is this something that you've actually like considered about whether have you just automatically gone into dunk mode or is there some kind of is there something here worth teasing out if you're involving yourself in a kind of a discourse beef are you basing it on like who you who you seems like the soundest person to you personally, which is a completely reasonable way of negotiating it, but you don't know these people, so 
it's not a reasonable way because you can't you can't transpose uh, the kind of regular aspects of kind of a sort of social mm. behavior onto this onto these onto these arguments onto these disagreements but if all you do is or if all you do is innovate then you are always going to get to a place where you say something like Anne Frank is a colonizer like this, this is the best example I can think of I know that this is like this was something w- that was like deliberately come up with um to drive attention and to drive discourse like it was a like it was a deliberate provocation like maybe maybe the guy in question really does believe it but i don't think that anyone who is engaging with it really thinks that this is like a kind of serious opinion it's a it's a kind yeah. of it's a it's it's a what used to be called a conversation starter shall we say <laughs> but I but, it's, yeah. but it's also something which has been which has been reproduced again and again and again and again uh, particularly when it comes to stuff like, uh, say, the morality of like food systems and food supply chain, the now completely normal um, left Twitter line is to defend McDonald's, which to me is genuinely insane. That's I think that's actually what is most disconnected from real life, even though lots and lots of ordinary people who are not on Twitter would... Um, would probably agree with it because they would just not think about it that much. But if you thought about it and your endless reaction and your endless, okay, but I need to react to this, which is reacting to that, which is reacting to that, has brought you round to actually, uh, McDonald's is good, actually, that's good and <laughs> fine. Um, then I actually think that that is the most disconnected from reality and life as, as lived and the future of the planet and the future of mm-hmm. food systems. Yeah. Et cetera, I suppose like, so yeah, I don't really have anything else to like sort of add to that other than just, I, I, I don't know, just like to reiterate the point. And I'm just thinking about like the, the, the post that I sort of mentioned and how, I mean, for me, it's just like, you see the post and it's like, it, it's sort of exhausting. It's kind of funny. Um, but it's also just like broadly in concept, like re- whether you engage with it or not, like it's still kind of fundamentally inconsequential. Mm. Um, and I just, I don't know, I guess there's this part of me that sort of wonders when we talk about, I, I would sort of say generally that like most posts and discourse or whatever you want to call it online are broadly inconsequential and like, they are not how like you would sort of interact with most people in the world. I know that we've said on this show that like interaction, like real life interactions mm-hmm. are becoming kind of like more mediated by posts and like various forms. And like, that's why it's worth paying attention to like what is happening online um, because of like that permeation. But it's also, I don't know, because of, because of that nature, it's very much like everything you sort of post online is kind of designed to sort of interact with it. And I wonder whether, you know, you have, especially if like these posters are young, but I wouldn't just say that these are, this is kind of just like, limited to young people but the more time you sort of spend online the more time you realize that oh like this is how people react to the stuff that you post and like eventually you just become it almost becomes intuitive in the same way that you kind of know that if i do this post it will do like x amount of numbers at like a bare minimum Mm. um you end up having it so i I don't know if that makes any sense but um i I suppose what i'm trying to get to is just that broader thing of like uh where you have like a system that is sort of built for like constant cycles of reaction, mm. nothing is particularly important enough to sort of like 
be considered to be like a serious, not to say that there aren't like serious posts or that there aren't serious like bits of writing online, but are worth kind of like thinking about and can certainly like, um, you know, in be kind of enriching or enlightening and so on. But I think especially for like stuff like platforms, the posts, but it's sort of rewards are the ones that tend to be like, tend to garner the most reactions and event like the more time you spend online the better you're going to be at like being able to kind of at least think of content to react to and you're also going to be a lot more um i, I don't know like the re- like being hmm. reactive in some form will also be sort of second nature so i don't know i guess it's that thing about being stuck in content loops and mm. how you know the best of us are still very much stuck in with them and it's very much like you kind of really have to exercise discipline and exercise like I don't know, to also just to kind of keep yourself in the real world to, to be like, well, if I see this post about how actually it's really good to have like, a, you know, a, a sex department for when communism is introduced and you have to submit a form if you want to like have sex with someone um, to just bear in mind. But like, you don't have to respond to that and you don't have to dunk on it. And like, ultimately, even if you do, like it is inconsequential in the long term. I don't even think that's what they were saying. I think that they were saying that, um, that, the way that people conduct casualized relationships because people for whatever reason seem very seem to find it very difficult oh yeah, to yeah. not treat people with whom they have casual relationships casually um that that's incompatible with that's incompatible with kind of collectivism oh yeah like I, I, I like yeah. like honestly i'm not even sure that that's like the dumbest point i've ever heard I've no never, it's not i've, and, I've and, definitely yeah. heard dumber points <laughs> and i wasn't and i wasn't responding even to like what that poster was saying like in the first post i think i think i'm i'm, re- I'm thinking about like something that was similar to that mm. where they were talking about like well what would sex look like under communism and oh, right. this was like from a couple of years ago and it was very, and it was like really this, is the answer. This, this, this idea of like, well, you know, if we are like, like proper communist social relation, like social relationships have to be sort of like established based on like what, I, I don't know exactly what it was called, but I was referencing that, not this post, just as well clarify. Okay, yeah, yeah fair enough. Um, although I actually like having met, having like done this whole kind of like, you should ignore this stuff and don't look at it and it doesn't have any, and it only has real world consequences when it has real world consequences. It's one of those things that it matters, it doesn't matter at all and yet it matters it matters exquisitely. Um, and I actually have completely going to go back on that. I'm going to engage in the worst <laughs> kind of hypocrisy because I've actually thought of one, <laughs> I've actually thought of one and it was the discourse about um about white homeless people and about yeah. how when you see white homeless people you're like how have you fumbled the bag which is such an incredible <laughs> that's such a good post but it really yeah no it's but it's also no intersection of reality <laughs> but it's also it's also evil i think i think it is yeah, i think it is an evil thing to say i think that um i think that honestly i think that there are certain um certain elements of academic language which have done untold harm by kind of being being put in irresponsible hands shall we say um i think i mean i presumably the point that they were making is that uh, the nature of white pr- privilege is so um so exacting um that if you still manage to find yourself uh, and still managed to find yourself homeless, then that's something you've done and not something that has been done to you, which is there's so much wrong with that as as a as a concept, particularly if we're talking about America that I mean you could you could pick it apart for hours, but 
it's it's I think very interesting how um, a particular kind of engagement in the sort of activism which is supposed to add both explanatory and healing and revolutionary power to the existing highly oppressive and and relatively rigid status quo so often produces these highly highly sadistic uh highly sadistic impulses look i'm not i'm not and i think that's i think that's interesting i'm not a believer in in horseshoe theory but i there is definitely a a strain of of misapplied academia that will lead you to saying some wildly out of pocket shit like Mm. fair enough like quite a lot of this comes from a a reasonable place but i think there's definitely there is a a point you can get to where you're saying things like white people being homeless is their own fault that Mm. that's functionally identical to bootstraps theory it's just you've (laughs) arrived there from a place of feeling like you're better than everyone else who does the bootstraps thing unironically and i even have a non-binary fucking version of this because i saw a (laughs) tiktok uh very recently and i can't recommend ever seeing a tiktok but i did it um which was this person i I assumed they were probably non-binary to be talking about this but i this this person was non-white and they were talking about how white people can't be non-binary because the gender binary was invented by white people Oh, God. So it was one of those things like, well, what, this is your own thing. What are you gonna? What, how are you gonna <laughs> deconstruct something that you constructed yourself? And I'm like, I didn't fucking do it. It wasn't me. <laughs> and this this kind of thing happens quite often, especially on on TikTok, which is hell. Yeah, um, I, I think that I think the problem is is that oh, I, I, we t- spoke about this a little bit on the last episode. Uh, is that people don't understand that social power is its own structure as well. That's for, right for a kickoff. So if we're talking about, oh, this only counts if it can manifest itself structurally, um, then it then it doesn't count that it doesn't count on a kind of individual level. But if that's the case, then uh then there is no such thing as a microaggression if the only thing that is meaningful is a structural reproduction. Um, which I don't think is I don't think is the case, but the two but the two thoughts the two thoughts do do go together um and i think the problem is is that if you're trying to kind of have these have these have these thoughts out loud where a hostile audience can can see them you you end you end up not being able to do uh do what is a kind of necessary element of uh the balancing act that marginalized people have to do all the time which is to uh to balance both structural advantage and structural violence with whether or not individuals who benefit from that structure can be blamed for that structure mm-hmm. because for ex- like for example like in a structural sense um my partner has structural power over me because he is a man and I am a woman but it would be genuinely insane if I were to um if I were to treat him with suspicion and hostility on that like on that basis that's not a way of having any kind of non mad mm-hmm. social um social rela- social relation 
or, or, or for that matter, social relationship, but you still have to be cognizant of the ways in which structures harm and benefit. And I think that, so that the nature of posting makes it impossible to, to balance that. And that's why you then have people saying, white people invented the gender binary, therefore white people cannot be non-binary, which is, obvi- which is obviously, uh, again, it's a sadistic thing to say. It's, uh, it's an evil thing to say. It's a compassionless thing to say. But you can see how they ended up there because of the utter impossibility of balancing the nature of structure and the nature of individual social relation. Absolutely. There's a second aspect to that as well, I think, which is that it sort of pays to say wildly out-of-pocket shit that gets people upset on a social media platform. Like, mm. it's, it's just <laughs> one of those, like, the, the TikTok algorithm doesn't distinguish between watching something and then commenting, you are very wrong about this, versus watching something and commenting, yes, queen, go off. Like, <laughs> this is treated exactly the same by the algorithm. So, mm-hmm. and it's easier to get people to be upset at you than agree with you, really. Mm. Yeah, that's, I think that, that's actually, I think, a really, really salient point. Like, and I think that that is what drives uh, the, way that, the way that social media not just operates, but it's something that it relies on, the hostile engagement and um and rouse actually is much more like it, like it's much more fitting with the with the business model Absolutely. and any kind of attempt to um to kind of sanctimoniously scold people out of it like with penny mordens <laughs> that's enough of that <laughs> emojis or um oh, that's so or good. any kind of like be kind in be kind kind of imprecation um, because it's you know if that's applied across the board, does be kind mean don't be a dickhead to a fifteen-year-old like sounding out their politics in public for the first time, or does it mean don't point out that a politician has voted for policies that has been responsible for three hundred thousand excess deaths? Like wh- like how do you apply this be kind unless you're mm-hmm. constantly weighing and balancing structure individual structure individual and you can't do that via posting it can't it can't it can't mm. be done what i've done here um not to toot my own horn but uh, very well is set up a segue here to my final question which is uh to round us out here number 11 from maz who asks can social media be fixed that's a uh... That's a big question. It's a very big question. Is that is the, this is supposed to be our last question? Um, my answer was no. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, no. My answer, my answer is, my answer is either no or yes. But the fuller version of that would get me a visit from the cops. That's <laughs> pretty which much I, as reasonable. Yeah. Which, I, which I honestly don't care for. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't. Mine, mine won't get me a visit from the police because it's like it would be very lukewarm. I don't know because like <laughs> I think it's like it, it's it's not going to be fixed, right? In the sense that like I think our version of fixed is, and we could sort of interrogate this for a very long time, and we mm. won't. But we sort won't. of did do it a little bit earlier in the episode where the sort of fallacy about like the whole return to when things were good thing because you know the crucially the thing about the return stuff is that we were younger. 
And I don't necessarily, I, I don't remember much of the MySpace era anymore, but I don't think it was necessarily like as good as I experienced it. It just was, we were younger and it kind of was new and novel and you sort of navigated that around my experience, my kind of like anecdotal, I don't know, when I speak to like my younger cousins and stuff who are on TikTok and they don't really use Twitter at all, or they don't really use, they use social media in like a different way. Like they're not kind of thinking like, oh, this is horrible or I hate using this thing. I think it's just like, they, they use it because that's what they have, right? This is the world that they mm. sort of grew up in. And mm. so the idea of like fixing things, or at least whenever I sort of think about fixing things, when the answer seems to always be, like, let's go back to forums or let's go back to MySpace or let's go back to like when Facebook was basic and the wall wasn't weird or anything. Um, it sort of seems to kind of be a bit of a cop-out. Mm. Uh, I feel like my broader answer is like, well, I wonder, I think, I wonder whether like a new set, you know, we, what, what something to like sort of bear in mind is that platforms haven't existed for like relative, like a relatively long period of time. We are still like in a very sort of new phase for, mm. and so like, w- you know, people are still kind of, we, we're still trying to figure out how to sort of live with these types of this communicative system. And like the challenge is very much the idea that now these kind of social media platforms and communicative structures are kind of inbuilt into the way in which like much of the economy works and much of like society works generally. Like Phoebe, you mentioned earlier in the episode and also just like in previous episodes about how like the kind of the lack of like physical space, meaning that areas of social interaction are sort of like they are forced to sort of happen online on these very hyper um, surveilled like uh, yeah, hyper surveilled uh, platforms where interactions then are not necessarily, you know, they, they, yeah, I, I, you know, the whole thing about this, not, this isn't the same as like meeting someone in like a community mm. center or like a cinema or something like, you know, mm. interacting with someone on a platform is like holistically different. So whether people kind of learn to adapt to that, um, I think is very much like a question that we'll sort of go and see, uh, mm. you know, whether they'll, wh- whether we'll have to accept, okay, these platforms are the way they are and the world is the way that it is. So how can we sort of like live as best as we can within these systems? I think the kind of the of the thing to sort of bear in mind um, more broadly is that like for the, the platforms have very different intentions to, you know, they don't, uh, I, it's not their intention to sort of create a kind of society in which people can interact like, you know, comfortably or to sort of mm-hmm. like build relationships comfortably. Like I think the metaverse, all the metaverse shit that's coming out is a very good example of how, like it is not in their interest to sort of foster a system that actually like even tries to simulate what a human interaction is um, other than to sort of like advance the uh, advance the market position of these tech companies and to get them to commute, get us to communicate in the way that they would very much like to. And because those are changing very fast, I was just thinking Devin about like the conversation we had before recording about mm. how even the platforms that we use to record this show, like as creators, like we are sort of beholden to any changes that they make and the changes that they make are often there to like justify their kind of like market position or justify like their existence. And quite often they'll mean like, that we end up having to deal with like a bunch of unnecessary updates that make our jobs as creators much more difficult, but we are ultimately beholden to them. Like, mm. so, you know, so we, so we'll end up, you know, I, I feel like I'm sort of going around in circles here. So I'll try to like wrap it up. I'll wrap it up. We'll wrap up my point just by mm-hmm. saying that like, I think that ultimately being online is this kind of constant um, exercise and adaptation. And my question is like, I wonder at what point um, p- 
people are just people just sort of just like wind back because of it just kind of like well we can't sort of keep up with this pace of change that is kind of antisocial in its nature like it's not advancing any type of like social experience for me mm. and i'm not really getting much from that and i don't know whether that happens with age or whether that just happens with like general exhaustion i did like as we sort of enter this new sort of economic phase i wonder how these platforms are sort of going to retain their relevance or like retain at least their social capital that they may have enjoyed like a decade before so yeah i mean i'll, I'll leave it there because i I'm, I'm worried that i'm sort of rambling a little bit but yeah i have a just a, a final thing to add to add to that and because i think mm -hmm. that what the 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 question that we are sort of the what we're actually kind of talking around a little bit here and i think we have to be very careful um because of the because of the thing that we are making here and because what we're trying to do we are trying to uh interrogate um our first positions um and that's something that i'm always trying to do like i like obviously i sometimes fail at it in the way that everyone does you know that, that, that that's not a kind of that's not kind of particularly abnormal and i think it's very easy and um and in fact uh, not just very easy, but very, uh, very seductive to uh, be dishonest about both with ourselves and with our listeners about the uh, tremendous and incredible value we have uh, we have extracted from the existence of social media. Um, <laughs> because um, without it, uh, without it, none of us would have a job. Or rather, we would be doing a different, much grimmer and much harder and much harder job. Like I'm not saying we don't. I'm not saying we don't work hard because we do. But personally, I find I find my work um, intellectually challenging and rewarding. I don't find it um, backbreaking. I don't find it mind numbing, uh, which an awful lot of people find that find their work to be i think the uh, i think the working hard metric i think it doesn't doesn't go far enough to delineate the difference between different types different types of labor like so i i keep coming back to i keep coming back to the the the, the influencer question because i think it's i think it's an interesting one i think it's an illustrative one um when influencers get accused of not working very hard they they start like kind of listing um, listing all the stuff that they do and it's sort of and like obviously like it's very easy to kind of make fun and sort of say well oh oh sorry you have to write a caption no you're right that's very hard no 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 no, no fair play no no fair play you're you're basic <laughs> you're basically you're basically in in you know on the factory floor at this point um but people mistake i think a kind of a sort of quantity of tasks and an amount of uh necessity like necessity of time and energy put in and they don't really think about um how that balances up with uh with the rewards of it so if you are if you are riding for Deliveroo you are working very very hard and it's uh grinding and um unpleasant and in many many uh, many places in the in the country it's 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 not very safe it's not you're not you have no work you have no workers protections and you are kind of at the mercy of other road users all the time um and you're not getting what we get out of our work from like like from it um i have made a lot of friends on social media um i have met people who have genuinely um who have genuinely influenced me um who've genuinely influenced me 
intellectually without um without without social media um i would be completely ignorant about um particularly about trans issues but like making friends with trans people on social media has been something which is which is mm. com- which is completely mm. which has completely altered that and even like even just stuff like even just to- like stuff like like talking to like talking to like Aaron from Thrillbillies about like about uh like the the different ways that we have like kind of come to our come to our <laughs> like cu- like kind of current ways of kind of political thinking like I would have been I would have without social media I would not have um I would not have uh, a job that I want I would not I got I got my first writing job through social media as well. Um, I would. I wouldn't not, tell you about. I was gonna say I wouldn't be able to tell you about my dreams if I did if we didn't have social. Hussein media. wouldn't be able to tell me about his <laughs> dreams. Um, I I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't have I wouldn't have met my partner. I wouldn't have made all of these all of these friends who are both both like socially and intellectually valuable uh, to me all yeah, all across all across the all across the globe. And I, I'm thinking about this in a very kind of personal way, but it's very difficult to think about it uh much outside of a personal way and i think that it's it's really easy particularly with the with the stuff that we discuss and we completely rightly sort of talk about the deleterious effects of of social of social media on uh on policy on so on social behavior offline on social behavior online um and all of it is all of it is very very bad but we don't want to fall into the trap of being uh, being a vastly rich person who writes a whining essay collection about how difficult they have it under capitalism, because you have to recognize where, in exactly the same way that you have to benefit where uh, recognize where you benefit from structures, you have to benefit. You have to recognize where you benefit personally from things which are in their sum total a bad thing and nobody is served by uh by the kind of self-deception of saying like oh well i think that social media is completely bad because actually there are elements of it which are which are good it is it is good to be exposed to different kinds of people and different ways of thinking but the problem is is that nobody nobody thought about how to manage and contain it so that it didn't turn into this completely antisocial, like I said, demonic, demonic reflection on the cave wall of what what true community and true collectivism might look like. Mm. So that's so. I think I think it can't be fixed, but I also don't think that it's. I don't think that it's all bad. But it's also all bad at the same time. That's my answer. <laughs> Very, yeah, I feel like that, that feels like a, probably a good way to end this episode. Um, yeah, I, I, I just well, unless like unless uh, Devin, you have anything else to add? Uh, I no, no I, I really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed doing the Q and A's. I think there were some really interesting questions in there. I'm looking forward to doing more in the future. Um, which is all to say, thank you very much for listening to this episode, and thank you very much for supporting the show that we do. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, without your support, we wouldn't be able to uh, have as much fun as we do and get to talk about all the, uh, yeah, just really just to think about our lives online, um, which is is a real privilege. Um, so thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I, I, do you guys want to do any plugs uh, before we uh, before we close out? Nah. Dev? 
I got I, nah. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> I said I said my ad at the top. You know, you can just go in there. Yeah, it's Luke, got you everything did, in yeah, my bio. You know all the stuff. You know all the stuff, and it will be like in various like descriptors anyway. So yeah. So I'll just say uh, thanks for listening once again, and we'll catch you on the next one. Have a good one. Bye. 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 Bye.